best friend's dad uh, to the, the the west side of Kalamazoo. Okay. He was the first melanated family to live in that area. Okay. And he was a 33rd degree Mason. Highly respected, and he was a contractor. So he had to deal with the with the with the Detroit mob as well. Mm. And so I think he, from his perspective, it was a way for him to definitely move on up. Okay. And his mother was the same degree, Eastern Star. Uh-huh. And so that was my first. I knew every year they went to to different rallies and conventions. My freshman coach went into that same lodge. And then my brother ended up going into the lodge too. Now my brother went all the way up to 32 seconds. Um, his channel is uh, Thought, Thought and Merlin the Serpent. Mm-hmm. And he had a, a close eye you know, view of what went on. And from his perspective, it was like, you kind of said it, it's like you get a fork in the road, but to go one way, you're going to get more information. Mm-hmm. Now to get that more information, it's gonna cost you. Right. Because at one time to get to 33rd degree, I think it was like 10,000. It's probably more now. It's much more now. And when I tell people the prices, they're like, that's not. I had I, the video I did years ago about moving up to degrees and how much it costs. People drag me for saying, no, yeah, that's wrong. That, it doesn't cost that much. I'm like, yeah, it's not cheap. You know, but yeah. Yeah, it does cost. It, it does cost. But you you do get the information. Yeah. Now, all, like some of the information is over people's heads. Even mm-hmm. though they pay to get it, they don't know how to apply it. Most people look at it as a way to get out of tickets, to, you know, have more of a, a court interactions. That's how a lot of people, you know, as you get jobs, it's another thing that it could open up jobs for you. That's how a lot of uh, people look at it. Now, one thing that we found out is and this is this is getting a little bit into the spiritual aspect of it is there's a portal that has that g on it there's a portal that you can hit that has that g on it Mm -hmm. now the g is really like a block you know it's really like a block so you can't get in there you don't have to be a mason to get in there but you can get in there Mm -hmm. and to kind of give you an example and if you don't mind if i use this by all means it's like your tattoo your tattoo you don't need a circle to activate that, right? You know, the sigil is just enough to activate that for you mm-hmm. to put that shield around you, however you want to move, you know, that, that will give you an instant activation. So what we found is that G is, is also a barrier for a lot of, you know, for a lot of information this porthole is, is a barrier. So that's what we found as well. Um, now, I've told this story many times, a brother named Little Beaver, rest in peace, Little Beaver, he ain't with us anymore. I was given raids, raves, um, I was given, what is the other word? Of, um, uh, I was giving basically raves, it's another word. <laughs> uh, but parties, I was giving parties and handing out, getting you know, getting, I forget what the little pills was called, but we were selling the pills and the water and all that. And I was offered this whole Mason building that's in downtown Battle Creek, if I became a Mason. Mm -hmm. And so that just shows you, you know, and it was like, it was the older group dying off, not being as active. So they wanted some young blood in there to kind of keep it going because they, 
I think the nation of Islam went through the same thing. How do you keep young people attracted to this? Right. And as you alluded to, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the Q's can't wait to say that he's, he's a Q. The Masons can say fair God is a Mason. You yeah. Know, he's a Q. Yeah. So, so these are some, some steps that, that, um, to, to keep, keep getting in new blood. And, that, and the Masons fell into that same thing is to keep getting in new blood. Well, let me ask you, um, in regards to the nation, because the, the big question is who's going to replace Farrakhan? Because a lot of people point to Rissa. Some say Brother Ben X. I don't think it's neither one of them. Uh, is Ben X? Uh, last I knew, Ben X was still called, uh, uh, what is he called? Um, student minister or something like yeah. that. I don't, think, I don't think that's went off of him yet. Right. And I, I don't see it being Rissa for whatever reason. I just don't see it now. Maybe possibly Wesley Muhammad. I could, I could see that, but I, I, I don't think if they don't name anybody before he, he closes his eyes, I think they'll, it'll, it'll be a detriment to them. I could be wrong, but what, what, what do you say to that? Well, of course, uh, succession, you know, you want a smooth succession yeah. and if he doesn't do anything to help with the smooth succession, it's going to be chaos. I mean, that's what happened when, when, um, Elijah Muhammad died, you know, everything went to his son. Uh, and the government actually went and like, hey, we need this Black Panther stuff. Mm -hmm. If you look that up, you'll see the government actually went in there because, um, and it, uh, his name is different now, but and he's probably passed, but Wallace D. You know, when Wallace D was, everything was given to him. I mean, everything was given to him. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was studying Islam when I first moved to Greensboro in 79. We was under Wallace D. And... I think it was 80 that Farrakhan was ended up giving, getting the Chicago property. Right. You know, you know, Wallace D gave him all the properties. And so, you know, you have Sony Muslims compared to the black Muslims is what in 80, 81, 82, they kept that. But for a period that it kind of went away. Mm -hmm. And then you see how the government has raised Farrakhan, even though with the rhetoric is still controlled opposition. I mean, that's people hate to hear about Malcolm, but Malcolm is just like King. I mean, if you read Malcolm's book and the education he got when he was what, what, uh, about 10 years old to about 15, 16, he got a pretty good education. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at that scene where they say, you know, you can't be president, you can be a carpenter. What they're showing you is he got a good education. So. And they was under uh, what? What do you what do you call it when you get the government money non tax exempt? Yeah. Look back in what years? As I say, look it up. Look it back. What years they was tax exempt? Yeah. And Malcolm worked worked under that. So, and I know people hate to hear that, but that's kind of, you know, that's kind of uh, how it went. Now I, I want to touch on to now. Now have you ever watched King Dolo? <laughs> no you ever watch that brother no i i, I keep hearing about him but I, I have a list of people i need to start watching i never get around to it well he's he calls himself the king of the moors but he was doing the same thing you know he's like well come up to syracuse we'll go over to uh uh office max and we'll get your we'll get your card wow. I mean, he was doing that same kind of thing but he's always throwing the he is always throwing the Mason signs. I mean, okay. everything he does is just constantly, you know, throwing signs. I mean, he's kind of he's he's, he's entertaining, yeah, to say the least. Okay, but you can see a little scheme there. Yeah, you can see see a little scheme there. 
Well, I want to ask you, how does this all look to you? Because, you, you know, I consider you an elder, you know, and you've seen it. You've seen programs enacted in, in our communities firsthand. So, you know exactly what it looks like and how it, it, how it turns out to be. What, what when it comes to the Moors and just that movement by itself, what does that look like to you now? I think you, you did hit it in 15, because matter of fact, you can go look at my Facebook under Brian Toby Macon, and I put Gnostic Moore, because mm -hmm. that's where I was studying right there. And that was about 13, 14, somewhere in there. So their movement, and, and, and really what people was looking at is how to tap into to, to the indigenous movement, you know, how to get through these lies. And at that point, that was the free information it was like, you know, the Moors was slaved and the Moors was brought over here. And that all the people came came over here wasn't just slaves, you know, you had this Moor, this Arab connection. That went on for a few years, but it kind of, as the Pan-Africanism died, that died as well. Mm -hmm. Now, I was impressed with the young brother said yesterday is the charity work. I don't want to call any names, but I'm going to say this part. <laughs> we have a friend. Okay. I'll say that. Okay. You and I have a friend that is a more, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So, and any of y'all know this, y'all can look it up and talk to him. It's Cheeto Paul's cousin. He's the grand sheik in Miami. I asked him about our friend. And he was like, man, he live over there with them peoples. Okay. I'm glad that's funny you said that because just recently they kind of revealed that they live in a very affluent neighborhood and that they get the looks and stares. Like how did y'all get over here? And it was, it was his wife talking and she was like, you know, I don't understand Well, now nah, I get it. But when they, you know, when they first moved down there, they didn't realize where they were at and which I'm like, yeah, you kind of do. You kind of look for those places. You, you just don't stumble upon them, you know, but go ahead. Not to cut you off. No, that's absolutely right. Like, you know, when he'd be in the park. Yeah. He was be in a park. Yes. Yeah. That park is them people's park. Yeah. He that's, that's in that area. There's nothing, nobody else that looks like them in that entire. <laughs> no, it's them people. You know, us down there in Miami. It's them yeah. people. Yeah. And he wasn't in the neighborhoods helping. That's what the Grand Sheik main thing was. Okay. It's like, he don't be over. And like the young brother said yesterday, we'd be helping people. Yeah. The social aspect of it, kind of like what the Panthers did. He wasn't involved in none of that down there at that time. Mm. And so I ain't going to say no names. And he was involved in paperwork. Definitely yeah. involved in paperwork. Yeah. And, and even... And even for me, I'd be like, you know what? Don't pedestalize anybody. Everybody's flawed and everybody, you know, falls short. And you don't know what lies in the, the heart of men and all that. Good. So even I have to be like, man, okay, just chill. Just pull back a little bit, you know? So yeah, yeah. But what I learned from you, and I, and I, I thank you for that, was you were saying like Dr. Uh, like Umar Johnson, you can't overlook the ADD shit and the ADH shit. Right. That is relevant still today. So you can't throw everything out i mean he is almost like a moving encyclopedia in some ways i mean i know he he has the the pro you know the african arab slant but just history wise he can spit it out where you know he knows it so mm -hmm. some of this stuff is, is 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 worthy of listening to no doubt 
Yeah, yeah. And I remember him breaking down the ADHD part. He said basically it was a discipline problem, not so much a chemical. They were, so his take on it was it's more discipline than anything. And as opposed to a, a chemical diagnosis or imbalance, what they you know, put, put the kid on the meds, he's like, no, it's a discipline issue. You know how we learn different. We're not, a, you know, we're not, we don't thrive in construct, con- constrained environments, boxy environments and all that good stuff, which, you know, makes sense. I'm not going to question because he knows he has a degree. I'm not going to say degrees, everything, but he has the studies in it, I'm not going to come out and say, well, I think you're wrong. Maybe it probably possibly is a chemical imbalance because even growing up, I never heard of the term ADHD. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you were either legitimately on the spectrum. If you were retarded, you were either legitimately retarded and you can look and see and, and listen. The kid is not all there or you just were just a, a rambunctious child that needed football or sports to kind of get the, the aggression out of them. And it wasn't until maybe... I got into high school, then this ADHD term started kind of catching buzz. Yeah, well, hyperactivity too. You yeah. know, a person that just can't sit still. Right, right. Um, like my daughter's class last year, it was something that I had set, because uh, I took a lot of psych classes uh, at A&T, and we had looked at a study on how to solve some of that fidget, you know, fidgeting. And what they did, and this is back in 81, They set up bean bags, they set up uh, recliners, and they set up different ways to sit for a classroom. I did not see this employed until last year. What is that, 21? Really? This is something I first saw in 81, but I did not see it put in any any child's classroom until 21. We're talking about, what, 40 plus years later, Mm -hmm. because they knew that if you sit children, because... What people don't know is when you put children in desks, you know, in rows, like you probably grew up in elementary. I know I grew up like yeah. that. That that comes from Prussians. You know, we 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 get a Prussian military education basically, and that's putting us in them lines. You know how the army lines up in lines? Yeah. The desks mean the same thing. It's the same strategy. It's getting you to be uniformed. So. Yeah, there was an element. My first elementary school, they had a farm. They had horses. We would go out and ride the horses and plant gardens you know the little cup of garden the little fruit cup you know the, the dirt and you know you water it and a couple of weeks later whatever fruit pops out of the cup you know um but then it was like my second elementary school that's when the desk is it came really really structured you know there was no nap time there was no the recess was limited so um but i remember riding horses you know and, and as a little kid you know, um, yeah, that's that's crazy with the bean bags and stuff like that. I did not know that. And that's that's been around, but it hasn't been applied. It just hasn't been applied. And I always joke, you know, when I was in elementary school, we were still doing um, atomic bomb tests. You know, like uh, going under the desk. We oh were wow! Still doing them. We weren't just doing fire drills. We were still doing atomic bomb drills. That's crazy. Yeah, Speaking that of, was like 66, 67, something like that. Speaking <laughs> of school, um, I first want to get your take on HBCUs. So you definitely have some views on HBCUs. Where do we go wrong? What do we miss? Were we wrong in our assessment of HBC? And I, and I mean the current state of HBCUs, the current state of black men, black people that, that, that it turns out now. Well, it is a boule training ground, no doubt. 
That's what each sorority is for, it is to, to see who the boule can bring in. Mm. That's kind of why they were almost set up in some ways. And so as you see the current graduates, and let's just say the last 10 years, you look at the person that just went in the Supreme Court, they are for that because they are so, again, use the word regimented, they are so conditioned to just see skin color and not actually true achievement on raising the people up. Okay. And that's kind of what has went out for at least the last 10 years. Mm. We are not, we're not breaking away. You know, it's like totally taken in to this matrix of you think this, this is a great achievement when in fact there's more brainwashing, more debt. I mean, you can't get away from the class that the, the classes of debt that's been placed upon people. And I would even say the last 20 years, uh, I know my daughter's mother still has thirty, forty thousand $40,000 worth of debt. So that that's another aspect of it. Now, HBCUs was also a place where you could go to school for free if you were extremely poor. My, my ex-wife is a prime example. She didn't have to pay a dime to go to college. She got four years free because of her economical, you know, uh, system of being extremely poor. Mm -hmm. Now, my two of my cousins did graduate from Michigan State under the same program. So it did, you know, there are schools that would accept that. But the modern state is just really putting out more people clouded and not people really aware especially when it, especially now. So when I went to school, there was more of a togetherness of the people. You know, it was really, really a tight knit group. And again, we're talking about 40 years ago, but it was really a tight kind of thing where we all were just a type. As, as I see it now, it's, it's not that. It, it's not about really being around your people. It's about who can I meet, who can I use to advance myself. I see, I see a lot of that in just the conversations. Yeah, that's what, um, you know, uh, I would tell my daughter, I would like, look, first two years, just find out who's, whose parents do what and, and network. That's how I'm approaching. I would tell anybody for college nowadays, you know, do two years, figure it out after that and leave, but make connections. I, I, I could be wrong because all of your, uh, recent, um, you know, billionaires, whatever the case may be, all pretty much did two, two to three years. They made connections and they dropped out and started their own stuff. And lo and behold, not saying that's the blueprint for everybody, but that's how they did it. And I'm, but you know, it's a lot with that family ties and structures and, and nepotism and all that good stuff. But for the most part, those kids go to school just to network and not necessarily for the programs that it offers. If, if I'm wrong, let me, um, let me know. No, that that's pretty right. I mean, if you look at the CIA and most most of the, those schools, the CIA is Yale, Harvard are CIA training grounds. Right. And that's why we see Bill Gates not graduating. That's why we see Zuckerberg the same way. And the twins, the two twins. The Winklevoss, yeah. People forget the Winklevoss twins were CIA assets. They brought in yeah. Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg, and and, and you know Kablooey. Yes. <laughs> And remember, the twins was the first um, 
Bitcoin billionaires. That's right. They sure were. Remember? Because they got money. They did get money. Movies say they didn't get they got money. They got money, money. And even his partner uh they Eduardo. Yeah, his partner. I, I used to converse with him on Twitter years ago. And I didn't even know about the case and all that good stuff. But he's out there living on a yacht, chilling. Um, yeah, Eduardo Guzman. I believe that was his former partner's name. And I lost contact with the dude, man. I went. But yeah, he was. We would converse regularly on Twitter, and he's always like on his boat, phone calls, and chilling on some Richard Branson shit. So. <laughs> Very, but that's what people forget. But yes, definitely all of them CIA. You know the military, and Nick Nick would probably know this. Um, the military was the first to really use the internet. It was made for them. It wasn't really made for it. well. Well, even we can even get deeper into that if we look at you know. I always talk about the my and the my waiting for technology to catch up. Mm-hmm. Just like in the internals, I, I talked about this last night. Is you know when he made the engine. And they was like, wait a minute, this is too advanced. He won't, people won't understand it yet. So he's like, well, they'll understand this plow. And that's how the internet kind of started too. It was like too advanced for everyone. So they have to kind of spoon feed it to us. Spoon feed it to us. Let me piggyback off that comment because yeah, in the movie, Fastos, for those that don't know, played by Brian Tyree Henry, the, the brother, he gave them the knowledge for the atom bomb and he took, he felt bad for them he felt responsible for it. And now Nolan, Christopher Nolan has the Oppenheimer movie coming out about the Manhattan Project. But weren't there brothers that helped on that project? I, I can't think of his name. I know there was at least one brother that was on that project that helped out. But, you know, if you go by the cast, it's completely whitewashed. But I forgot his name. There was one brother they gave credit to for helping out. With, 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 the, with the Manhattan Project. And I was just like, I can't remember for the life of me, man. And I haven't seen anybody really come come close to even touching on that or even mentioning that. So I figured if anybody would know that you would know, so. Yeah, uh, well, you know, what's interesting, he doesn't get a lot of publicity, but you, they sure get him sister's publicity when they talk about that moon stuff. Yeah. Saying they, they, they did the physics to, to help them go to the so-called moon. Yeah. But they don't give him much publicity. Well, I would say people can look at the pictures too, because because there's a pit, he's in some of those pictures. Yeah, that was the first thing I, I thought about. There's some pictures that if you look into them, there's pictures of him with them. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can't think of his name, but yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Um, got a question for you. Could ADHD come from the cocaine strategy to put in the black neighborhood? Could ADHD yeah. be part of it? Well, <laughs> I try to tell the whole story on things. So there was a clouding of memories from about 85 to 2012. That's That was really a lot of the scare. So technically, time, if, whatever, if you want to call it a reference, was actually slowed down. But it re- what was really slowed down was energy or information coming from the center of the universe. They wanted to block this. So cocaine was a perfect vehicle to help people deal with this mental change that came. So yes, partly, partly. I mean, again, if you have ADHD and you do cane, it is going to make you more, it's not going to really mellow you out. You might hit that paranoia. People forget about the paranoia part. Right. 
that is why crystal meth is really better. That's what that's all Adderall and that stuff is, is just basically crystal meth. It would work better than than speedballing. It would work better than bass and it would work better than crack just because of the mellowing out because it's more of a speed thing. Mm-hmm. Cocaine has so many different parts that it, it, it satisfies you for about 10, 20 minutes. It's not a very long thing. Mm-hmm. And it wants you, you know, you want more. You know, that's what we used to call it, some more. At one point, it was called some more because that's what it did. It, it left you and almost made people like a lonely feeling. You know, Richard Pryor say, you know, the pipe looks at him and say, I'm getting a little low, Rich. And it's, it's kind of that lonely kind of feeling. And I need to bring that euphoric back into me every 15 or 20 minutes. So, but did they, did, did the CIA, FBI look at us and say that this was, would affect us more negatively than alcohol? Definitely, definitely, definitely. Just like the menthol cigarettes was the same thing. You know, we wasn't really smoking like that. Then they bring the menthol cigarettes in in like 60, 61. Everybody smoking was Cools. You know, yeah. I don't know if you remember Cool cigarettes. Yeah. That's remember crazy. That? Everybody wanted to Cool. That or, that or Newports. My mom used to smoke Parliament 100s. I just, I just never understood the shit, but it's what it is, what it is. Um, and, yeah, I'm sorry. I was just going to say Newports came out in the 80s. Okay. And you know, Newport. <laughs> But go ahead. What would you go say? So, can you touch on um, the last the last stream I caught from you? You mentioned Griselda, cocaine cowboys, and then the drive by shootings. That that tactic. Um, you you mentioned that was a, that was a, a CIA tactic. I didn't know that. So, could you could you touch on that real briefly, or however? Well, well, if you remember, she was hustling. She was the first one that put everybody on in New York. Yeah. I know Frank Lucas and them got stories, but they was heroin people. They was all heroin people. She was really the first one that put people on in New York with cocaine. Mm-hmm. You know, all the, the cocaine that came in the mid-70s was from her. And, and I don't know if you remember the story where they had one of them Columbus boats come into New York Harbor. And that was her boat. And they found like tons of cocaine. And she got indicted. And then she goes to Florida. Now, that's now, how they, okay, that's how she ended up before. Gotcha. Okay. Right. So she goes to Florida. So what the CIA came up with is when she went to Florida, it was already people operating down there. And so she was just straight up. We gonna, you know, her and the CIA was just straight up. We're going to go after these people and they put, you know, unseen violence. But if you look at drive-bys, the first drive-bys was CIA trained operatives driving on motorcycles with somebody on the back. We see that in New Jack City. Remember Mm -hmm. he's, you know, he's riding with somebody and well, yeah. that's, that, that's how drive-by started in Florida. They would, they would go after people, but they would be on motorcycles and they would shoot them like that. And that's where the drive-bys was started was in Miami. You know, you, you hear and you think it started in LA. No, it was started in, in Miami. You know, it's like, like scalping. Scalping was starting by the Quakers. We just copied that, right. but it's the same kind of thing. They actually started it. And if you even, if we move to California, we see the same tactic. We see the same tactic. They put violence upon our people. I mean, it, it militarily style violence though. I mean, it, they make you think there's so much hate, but it's like a military type of violence with military trained in mind people that killed a lot of people, killed a lot of people, a lot of young people. 
E. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Let's kind of shift topics a little bit. Um. Okay. Where does Black Hollywood go from here after Chris Rock and Will Smith? You had some points, and I was like, "Yeah, I like that." Well, it's the black on black crime. You know, the rich people don't even like each other. I mean, we we can be advanced and we don't even like each other, which is, you know, and we see the copycats. We saw the T.I. thing. Yeah. You know, T.I. grabs the mic, then T.I. gets booed at the next place. So it really makes us look like minstrels. You know, it's almost like the old minstrel shows. What was it, uh, Piccaninny and Bones, you know, where you get in blackface and we just talk about each other and Europeans crack up, but it was very much minstrel-like. So where do we go? I mean, more embarrassment. Well, <laughs> I would that, say this is what's going to happen is more and more embarrassment. If rich people, and you you said it, you, you said it last week. You said, look, every time we give you a war show, what happens? Some type of violence. Yeah. Boom. We see that, which even though it was minimal violence, I still wonder why he didn't punch him, like slap. I just don't get who. I think the only people I really like slapping, like I bitch slap people, of course, but mostly just slapping like when my children was little, smack them upside the head. It's just not a normal move for a man to slap somebody else. You punch people. Mm -hmm. So, but it just, it's embarrassing because it's saying that no matter how much money we get, we all going to be against each other. What does that say when, if we believe that guys like Denzel and, and Tyler Perry are, are kind of in on it, does that speak to a, a bigger issue or is this more the same? Well, it's, it's the same. It would be the same thing. It's, it's acting. It's actors that they, yeah, it, it's, again, he didn't punch you, which that's, that's normal for a man to punch. Right. It's not normal to slap somebody is is it okay to punch somebody is more natural you know you pissed you're just gonna punch somebody that's just natural if you slap somebody that appears to be acting especially a person that did the rocky type of training in boxing you know in ali so yeah it was definitely i think staged i think it was staged but it emphasized that we don't even like each other no matter how much money we get we still don't like each other and that's the sad part of it all Okay, do you believe that's always been the case with, with us? Now it's just social media kind of just revealed the ugly truth about it. Because I'm, I'm watching, I was watching this, uh, the documentary on up, 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 upwardly mobile rich black people and all this extra stuff and had Don Peebles on it. Of course, people love Don Peebles, but then he's like, well, he's got a white wife. And then uh, there's this other black couple um and they went to an, an an event in Dallas, and they were like one of the two f- black families at this ritzy event. And they're like, "Well, we wish we wish we could, we, we could see more black people here in events like that." And I'm sitting there like, "No, you don't. No, you, I don't. I don't." To your point, I don't believe that successful black people want to see and be around more successful black people. I just don't, I never felt that. But what what say to you to that? Am I wrong? Well, look at all the all the the shows the housewife of atlanta's and all that these are showing more affluent people and they don't i mean again it's staged but they even appear not to get along yeah and we and and it's like everybody has it you know like when we would get together when i was hustling we would have the cabarets 
we never had any problem because we was a, we would we would fill a room with two thousand people that all got it, so we got along. You know, we, we of course we had the we had the metal detectors and shit because you know we got money, everybody got guns, everybody so we got had to have metal detectors. But for the most part, we never had issues because everybody had it. But they show you that if you have it, you still gonna have problems with your own people. You know, you got to be around them to to get along because we can't get along with each other. So in your eyes, where, when did it change? When did it go from all, you know, everybody having it and, and party in peace to, you know, to the slap? Hmm. I would dare say that kind of kicked in in the, the, the middle 90s to the, to the 2000. Well, no, I would say more 2000 and going up. Okay. It seemed like conflict if you got rich. And we see that in sports. Where even you know the, the brothers don't get along, you know, in the football teams they don't get along. So that's what we saw more of. Uh, we get it, so we can get along. You know, it's more of that thing. We we get it, so we can get along. So that's what I would say. Two thousand until today, the last twenty twenty two years is when we see the difference in. Even though I got it, I still have to fight my people. I still have to have combat. Even this is it's not deadly combat, but it's still conflict. You know, I've got to keep conflict around my life. So that's that's what I've I've kind of witnessed. That's that's a sad reality, right? Because um, I think about Gilbert, Gilbert Arenas, the guns over a bet, and I'm like, you guys are multi million dollar basketball players, and y'all want to bring guns. You know what I'm saying? He like, wants to pull the wild bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, is is this a cultural disease, or this is something DNA wise that we have yet to shake or breed out? I think it's a little bit of everything. Um, you know, the food that be in the hood sometimes. You see the diets. I mean, you know, you've been in there and you see what them stores sell, the bodegas, the little corner stores. You see what they sell. You have to look at the food people eat. And I guess you, we could even say, you know, a generational curse. It's like a curse if you make it. You still have to keep that, that ghetto facade up. You still have to keep that fake tough thing up, despite having it. Despite having it. I mean, hell, the NBA get paid like every Tuesday during the season. So what was the problem of waiting a few more days till you got paid? Especially with Gilbert. Gilbert was getting like six, seven hundred thousand a week. Yeah, he had a max deal that was so stupid. Like the, the NBA was like, never again. We'll never give this type of deal out to anybody ever again. Yeah. So what was 20,000 to him? Shouldn't, shouldn't have been anything. But, but to say that we're going to face each other, you know, we're going to pace off with each other over 20 grand. That, that is sad just for our people. And, and, you know, this, I guess we can even touch into Kwame Brown. Yeah. Instead of trying to enrich people, it's the same old talk about our people. Now, he ain't physically doing anything, but it's the same old thing. Him and Charles, the other guy, that dude, Charleston, is that his oh, name? Oh, Charleston White? He's, he's, a, he's a character. Yeah. And it is. And he's even admitted, you know, chaos is how I make money. I mean, you got to love that about it. He says chaos is how I make money. And so we see that no matter what, we just can't get along. 
and and I'll say it is a conditioning, it is a brainwashing, it is also how crack affected the families because we we you know going back to Claudine and just the mamas, you know, the mamas and the mamas got all these boyfriends and you see mama always with these conflicts with these men, you conflicting with his children. I mean, it's it's that kind of culture that we see. We've seen that culture being adults. I, I think people need to re, really go rewatch Claudine because we talk about it because, you know, cause I re, I've maybe seen it twice ever, but I remember certain parts of it. Um, I think people need to go back and rewatch it. I need to go read back, go back and rewatch it so I can get everything, all of because I just remember bits and pieces. And I don't think people really realize what they foretold to, for us, our, you know, our soon to be condition. And it's, it is almost like, you know, uh, telling the future to a certain extent. And then the fact that you had Diane Carroll play that role. And then who was, who was the co-star of the brother? I forget. James Earl Jones. Yeah. And I'm just like, wow, these are probably two of our greatest, best, you know, talents. And this is what the role they, they got them playing to kind of put them out there like that, you know? Exactly. Uh, it, it's just to, cause remember they used to come into the homes. You can't have any game. I mean, literally no game. Remember they hide in the TVs, they hide. Right. The you could have I mean, the nice stuff. You had to take. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you would be penalized or cut off. You know, they'd cut off your rent. They'd cut off your food stamps. They cut off your health care just for these trivial little things like a black and white TV that cost 30 bucks back then, mm -hmm. 30 bucks. So, but that, you know, and that has turned into what we see with the Supreme Court justice, the repaying the women in Atlanta, the business women across the country, the sisters, that's all we see there. It didn't help us in any way, shape or form. Because what happened when Ali, when Ali was a, Thurgood Marshall, he sat back. Why? He didn't know Ali, but because he was a brother and this was an issue, he had to, he had to, you know, recuse himself. So we, it's not a real game. It's an art of, it's just a look. It's just a look. It's just a look. And when she said, I can't define a woman, come on. <laughs> okay. Now I want I wanted to ask you that. Maybe I, I think a little out the box. When I saw the interaction, I'm thinking she's answering the question like a judge because she says, well, I would need all the facts and all the figures. And I'm like, okay, she's taking the judge approach, right? While everyone's ex expecting her to naturally answer what she feels as, as a woman. And I'm like, no, the way she's fumbling the question, I'm thinking she's trying to answer it like a judge. Maybe I'm wrong, or maybe I, I thought a little too deep into that, into that in no, exchange. That's a good insight. That's a good insight. I guess I hadn't even thought about it like that. Um, but that goes into the home realm of what we see. It's like, how can you be mad at this swimmer when Title IX was set up to help them too? That's what people miss, and I'm the only one you don't, yes, that you brings are. that up. To talk Robert about it. Roberts, talk about ABC. it. <laughs> You've got to look at women's tennis. Um, Renee Richardson. Yeah. That when that was started, that was allowed. Yeah. So how are you not going to be mad that tennis allows it? How are you going to not be mad that basketball allows it? And you're going to be mad at this swimmer when these other sports use have been using dudes 
have have switched over. And it's like basketball is such a sad business is if, if you're successful, if your son is not going to be strong enough to compete against boys, they start giving them them hormone pills and let them compete against the girls and raise them as a girl. I saw a cheer, cheer, a uh, uh, competitive cheer program where I know it was three boys involved but being raised as girls. I mean, you could just look at their bone structure. I just was watching literally at the gym, the ESPN, the cheerleading competition this year, and I could, I, I know I saw two boys in skirts. I'm looking at their shoulders. <laughs> they yeah. had big ass legs. I'm like, those are boys. You can't tell exactly. me. Exactly. Way. So you can't be mad at the swimmer when Title IX involved them. They benefited from Title IX. You can't say they didn't. If you look at the history, you can't say that they did not benefit from that. That's why it's, it's hypocritical to be against that swimmer but not be against the, all the boys that play in basketball or the young men that play college basketball. Because that's been allowed. Robin Roberts is my age. And yeah. she played in the 70s or 70s, early 80s. Yeah. So it's been around since since then. So. Well, let me, let me ask you, because you got older sons. So I don't know what it's like to have a son. Okay. I, matter of fact, I, I probably would be cringing if I had a, a newborn son in this day and age right now. What do you tell them when, when they see all this madness and maybe they don't see it as madness to them, to us, it's, it's sheer lunacy to them. It's like, oh shit, you know, it's been like this for me for what, 10 years now, pops, what, what's the, what's the, what's the problem, right? Or do they, do they give you that response or they see it the way you see it? Well, you know, I, I don't hide anything. You know, my 20 year old son is gay. I mean, he is, he can't read or write. I'll say that. Okay. You know, he, he is a special needs person living here. That is really big. We have the second biggest pride parade here. So it is encouraged here. It is really encouraged here. Okay. Now what's funny is my 27 year old son, he doesn't really hardly interact with my 20 year old son. Okay. I mean, they really, they've never had a lot in common anyway, but just as brothers, he don't really want to hang around him. I mean, that's just now my youngest son, he still deals with him. He still deals with him. But my youngest son calls everybody gay. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, everybody. He's Young Riley. Much, you know. <laughs> he calls every he's like, oh hey, but but that's his brother. He would whoop a motherfucker's ass. You know, he really would. Of course. You know, he and these ain't little boys. My boy is Yeah, your kid, your, your boy, six, yeah. Six, yeah. His brother six seven, two seventy five. So, so him looking at his brother and even my oldest, my other two sons, it was just, you, you know, you, it's personal choice, I guess, in some ways, but here living here is encouraged. It's encouraged, been encouraged, been encouraged, been accepted. So should a parent nowadays almost expect that sit down with their children be like, well, you know, Mom, Dad, I'm, I, I'm into this now. Should that almost be like one of those you're just waiting for it, the, the conversation to happen? And you know what? Now, I even met my 16-year-old daughter. She claims to be gay, too. But what I saw, and, and this is what you just mentioned, it was popular. It became popular to be gay in school. You got a lot of attention to be gay in school. You... And say you were a quiet person and never got attention before. Well, all of a sudden, 
you come out gay and it's like you're getting all this encouragement yeah. from the faculty, you know, the students that are into it. It is a way to be popular nowadays, too, mm -hmm. because it is the popular thing. Okay. Because I'm trying to approach this like if this were if, if this were mine, because I. Do, do you tell, would you tell them and say, okay, you know what? You don't mean that you're probably experimenting right now, but when you get older, you'll see things a different light. So do you have that approach mindset and do you not really trip off that, you know, has the stigma of being gay softened, right? You know, growing, cause you growing up, you know, that was a, that was a scarlet letter. Like you, some, I know for me growing up, they used to catch it on site if they found out you were you know, it was automatic beat down, right? Yeah. Nowadays, not so much. So with the kids and all the indoctrination and the foods and all that stuff, do you just say, you know what? This ain't you. You you play play. When you get a little older, you'll see different. Is that the approach that you take, or or should one take that with their children? Somewhat. I try to tell them that. I try to tell them the social conditioning. You know, the subliminal aspect of it. I try to have them look at all that. And then again, and I know a lot of people may not agree with this, but the food we eat, yeah. some of the foods we eat, it, 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 and it's like the brother that did the, the that was working for Dow Chemical. With the atrazine, yeah. With frogs. Yeah. And he showed that certain chemicals that you are exposed to will turn a male into a female. Mm. It will turn a male frog into doing, thinking it's pregnant at times. Mm. And so we see chemicals, especially like plastic factories. I've said this many times. Plastic factories is another thing. They show that children live in plastic factories. The women, the girls develop quicker. Mm -hmm. They get their breasts quicker. They get their periods quicker. I mean, this is all documented work that you can find. But the, the work that the Dow guy did is probably the most thorough on how chemicals in your environment have can have an influence on your sexuality. Yeah, the plastics had the what BC BCHAAs or something. If it had this type of chemical in it, avoid this it, in all the plastics. Now it says a plastic BCH free or some sort for baby bottles and stuff like that. I remember that uh, when 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 I had mini meat, they just like avoid these certain baby bottles with this type of chemical in the plastics. And I was like, oh, uh, this is how it goes now. Okay. And they were putting stuff in the baby fluoride and fluoride water for the babies and shit. And I was just like, ah, man, it's so much to, to, to avoid. Um, wow. I wasn't, this is what this went deeper than I was prepared for <laughs> um, a couple questions from the chat. Um, okay. necessary wants to know how are Eastern stars beneficial to the divine man? Well, you're walking the same path as he's walking. I mean, of course, it's going to be, you know, if you have your left foot forward, she's going to be in step with you. I mean, as you look at marching together. And so as you each go to each degree, you, you are in the same degree, even though the woman is going to be slightly under or behind, mm -hmm. but it keeps you in step with your man. And so the deeper you both go, the more you're both going to be enriched fires being in Masonic codes mm -hmm. and on code. The woman knows how to stay on code as well. 
Yeah, especially I would say. if you're talking about you know businesses and stuff. She she's going to stay on code because she's learned enough being his mate and where he's at. So if you've got one way up here and the wife's down here, you know, they're not going to be in step. Mm -hmm. She's going to be right behind you in step. That's kind of what they teach. Yeah, I, I would say that the women are better at being on code than the men for the most part. Especially when it comes to them and making sure that they're okay. Am I, do you agree or, or, or no? Do you see it that way? Yeah, men, men tend to get sloppy and women tend not to be sloppy. Okay. Yeah, because especially when you're talking about emotionalism, men are sloppy sometimes, and where the woman won't will stay on cold because women tend not to be sloppy, forgetful but not sloppy. <laughs> gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay, okay. Um, Dwayne Haskins. We should all really be terribly upset about the way that was put off and pulled off. Because there's no way that, as I was saying, there's no way a millionaire, like like you arguing with a woman and she on the highway and want to put you out. Are you going to get out if you in the car? Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> Not until somebody pull up and pick me up. Like, hey, she tripping. I'm at marker 75. Come pick me up. Yeah. They don't say anything. And this is the sheriff. The sheriff didn't say anything about a car. And then to say a dump truck, that's even to me more mocking. Cause that make you think of the taco trucks we played with. But a yeah, dump truck? a dump truck. Ah, so the latest report was he got hit by a dump truck. He was dragged dump a few. Truck. Yeah, Kenworth dump Kenworth. truck. Kenworth is, I believe, the headquarters is in Washington. Could be. And so he was obviously drugged taken there somebody added that he had 24 days till his birthday yeah. i didn't know that and somebody added that yeah it was so you know it was straight straight nigga number straight nigga number we sacrificed him straight i mean it's it's no way you can't get that it's so it's fucked no way up you don't see this as, yeah as and i'm not laughing because i'm laughing because god damn okay it, it it can't be any more obvious at this point to to, to regular folk like if you still believe this was a natural accident, I don't know what else to tell you. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, this is one of the worst ritual murders that we've seen and couldn't tell you where they didn't try to hide anything. It's just out there. And it's no way to say a millionaire is trying to cross the highway. You wait till you get to an off ramp or something. You ain't trying to go across like that. I mean, that's, that's not common sense. That that is not anything a normal person would do. Mm -hmm. You would wait until you could get to an off ramp. You could call the police. Where was his phone? Like, hey, this chick oh. left me. I'm out here stranded. I'm whatever, whatever. Come get me. Yeah, and that's just so in your face of murder. There's no way that man went out there and wasn't murdered. Well, I, I referred. I defer to you with the, with the sports because you catch pretty much everything. Um, how deeply entrenched is the sports, the numbers, the murders, the, the hits, the offerings? I get it. But to the average person, I don't think they really understand, like, like sports is another avenue to, you know, if, if, you, if you don't mind, if you, if you want to tap into that for me, please. Well, it's under entertainment. 
and it's under the price of fame. And I always refer to the to the movie Bedazzled, but really going back to the movie called The Damn Yankees. If you look up The Damn Yankees, and it's like whatever Lola wants, Lola gets. But she, even better than the Bedazzled, even better than that Al Pacino movie, she straight up tells a player that sucks, here, you sign this, you'll have everything you ever wanted. And like Bedazzled shows that if you get everything you wanted, it's mistakes come with it. You know, they try to soften it, but not in damn Yankees. And damn Yankees, she gives it to them. But she it's a contract right there. And that is part of their contract. As I've said before, the contracts, now you are looking at yourself performing. So if it was if it was me running the 40, whatever, you know, whatever my thing is, I am going to sign over where I'm looking at. We've talked about this many, many times. Yeah. I mean, this is like you were saying before, blood contracts. Mm-hmm. It's but but seeing that live action of you really bind you into it. it it is really a spell a binding spell and so you you do literally sell your energy signature yeah and there are there are beings that will eat this there are beings that will eat this and so it, it's in all entertainment it's no difference in any other entertainment it's in all of it the records i mean what are we seeing we seeing rappers with one local hit and this thing wants blood that's why um, Infinite Consciousness is writing a book. That's his channel, I think. And he has showed in 20 and 21 all the rappers, how they died. What was it? Every 44 hours, something like that. I mean, it's just astonishing how rap is the most deadly business for us right now, mm-hmm. is rap. It was something like 44 hours a rapper was dying. Now, some of them did get sick and stuff like that. But what we see over and over again is getting murdered. And as you were saying, by the numbers, it is almost like these people are picked names wise too. Names, date of birth, which goes into astronomy and astrology. It seems like all these are touched on when considering who to bring up. And they are closely looking at these dates when you're born, what is the stars, how they're aligned. I mean, it's it, it does get that deep. It is an egghead dude that puts all that together. And that is how deep it is. And, and again, it is a hungry beast out there. That's why we call that thing the beast. Because <laughs> yes. it, is, it is the most hungry thing that wants our energy that is out there. And it is in, in charge. <laughs> This thing is in charge. So I think for me, the worst part about it is we line up in droves to submit ourselves to it, to throw ourselves to it, to feed it. And um, it will never run out of food, I I guess. You know, I I think that's, yeah. Like I keep hearing people talk about this mass awakening, not even a mass awakening, but enough people to to kind of make a difference. I, it's ne- no, I, no, you know, like you said, if you know, a rapper dying every 44 hours, you know how I many rappers I know I could just throw a rock and, and hit four or five just off the ricochet alone. Like there's no shortage of guys that want to try to get into the business, whether it's TV, well, we film, sports, Kelly stuff. Yeah. And they, and they serve children up. Uh, we see it in Michael Jackson. I mean, they serve children up for the hope of fame. And that goes back into Shirley Temple. They did her so dirty. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is, it, that is some of the most sickening stuff. You see this, she's probably six, seven, wearing bloomers, all in men's faces, all on men's laps. Yeah. 
I mean, this is how long this thing's been going on. And then like like you get into Fatty Arbuckle, and remember he he killed a woman sticking a coke bottle up her. That's right. You know, you you look at how long this kind of ritual. I said before, Rudolph Valentino was a sacrifice for the talkies. Okay. He had a real light voice, so he wasn't gonna make it. Um, I don't know if you've studied Hearst and Myrna Lloyd, maybe is her name. She stuttered. Yeah, that's right. You know? That's right. Because she was, it was going to be hard, but but they trained her and they taught her how to speak. But in talking, she was cool. But in real life, she stuttered because yeah. she, you know, she couldn't talk. So it goes back that far. And as you said, it's never going to be a shortage of that. You know, as they say in sports, next man up, that's in entertainment too. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like guys behind me. I got cleated the, the Wednesday before the Saturday. I got cleated on my Achilles. You think the number two receiver behind me wasn't happy? Yeah, I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was ecstatic. You know. Oh, yeah, I, I can't walk. It's Thursday morning, and I can't walk. And the game is in two days. Yeah. So you know, that is the same thing we see. This. Oh, he don't want to take this part. He doesn't want to go with these people. Like I heard a thing on the radio where they said a guy worked for the newspapers, and to get one of his sources, he had to give an enema to a dude every two months. They had to meet in a hotel and get an enema. <laughs> like, you see what that's telling, yeah. you know? Let me ask you this. So everything we just said here, let's kind of stick with the sports a bit. So okay. what does that say to you? Or what, what's your take from the single parent, uh, I want to say single moms because that's, uh, that's too, ter- the single parent that purposely pushes their children into sports, knowing the pit, well, even the pitfalls and the dangers of, you know what I'm saying? Sports is, it's a different type of danger. And I don't mean just physically on the field, but everything that encompasses at being an athlete, you, you know that. So what do you say to single parents that would, you know, is, is, is the child in their eyes worth the sacrifice for the parents greater good. We see it all day in Nickelodeon, Disney, that's nothing new, but for the sports, you know, what does that say to you when you see every time, every draft, every draft, you see the mama come out and she's more excited for the, for the boys. Sometimes the boys like I've seen a couple drafts where the guy, the, the son, He's like, ah, oh, yeah, okay, I'm, I made it, cool, yeah, he's real chill. I'm like, wait, brother, you just made it to the league. You should be, <laughs> but the mama's just, just stupid excited. What, what does that say to you? Well, it is easier to handle, as in handlers, a single parent, because you're not dealing with that father. And all of a sudden, you got somebody buying tennis shoes for your child, taking your child to the games, buying food for your child while your child is out paying for the hotels as they travel and travel basketball. And if you need a little money every now and then, they throw a little money your way if the team is doing well. And that is where it starts. Um, You get ranked very early. They're taking, like if you go to an AAU game, you'll see them taking headshots. And children get ranked very early. They'll say, okay, the top fifth graders, the top sixth graders. I mean, it goes back that far. But it is easy for a handler to step in on a single parent home because a two parent home, the father, like you were saying, a father would, would step in there and do all what a handler would do. Mm -hmm. So it's harder for the handler to get in when you got a father bringing him to the game. And that could be for a daughter too. 
where you got the father bringing the children into the games, taking them to practice instead of the handler doing it. Mm -hmm. And after a while, if the handler is there their whole life, and Ed Martin is a perfect example that that did Jalen Rose, Chris Weber. You know, he paid for Chris Weber's parochial education and his brothers. Yeah. And his brothers. I can't think of Chris Weber's brother's name. But Ed Martin was a numbers runner and he worked for I want to say he worked for Chrysler. So that that's the biggest thing you see in sports. I know we had a family friend that was a handler in my family. He his <laughs> he macked on all the single women, but yet if as I looked at his career, he was a handler. He was definitely a handler. And we, we went way back with him in the family. Um, you saying that I, I thought, I thought about the Notre Dame scandal. I thought about Penn state with Jerry Sandusky, right? They were taking all these under underprivileged young black boys, these single moms to this prestigious university and they would get access to things that they would and the wildest dreams and then the boys getting molested and turned out um the the u.s uh female gymnast with with that whole situation there um damn now the michigan state stuff like I, I don't get that how how a man can say if he sticks his finger in your vagina he is working out a muscle in your thigh i mean that's 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 what some of the testimony shows that's what he would do. You know, but, or he's he's like filling the lips of his vagina to try to say that's grooming your inner thigh or that's helping to, to heal that. You see almost the same story like that over and over again of Nasser. Yeah. How that's allowed. After a certain point, it's allowed. You know? That, that, okay, that's my next question. As a parent, I'm sitting here like, why didn't y'all these kids, these girls tell tell some that, that like it, it, they they all couldn't have bad relationships with their parents and not tell them, hey, this this motherfucker is doing some things, mom, dad, you know what? Is it? Hey, what what'd you say? Mini me is thirteen. Thirteen. Okay, do you ever take her to the chiropractor? You go to the chiropractor? Um, no, I. Okay, doctor, you take her to the doctor. Oh right? no no no, doc, yes, um, yes 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 yes. You take her to the doctors when they call her back. Do you sit in the waiting room? Sometimes they won't come. They, you're right. Sometimes they'll be like, okay, dad, you can stay here. You can sit here. You can stay here. Stay. I'm like, stay here for what? Exactly. Okay. My daughter got her, her eyes checked and I, I had to use the bathroom and I'm like, hey, <laughs> I'm going back to sit there and watch it. I don't care. I'm like, and she's like, she's still 10, but I like, I, I sit there. If she go with, went to the chiropractor, I'm right there. Yeah. With it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, let me get this more stuff out. Okay. Yeah, I, can yeah, get, yeah. I can get this out. Go in. Go in. Go in. Yes. Yes. All right. So, one thing you got to understand is the Moors didn't control all of Europe. When the Moors went in at five something, they didn't control all of Europe. They only controlled pockets. There was never one big Moor nation. Never. There were never that. Okay. Um, Moors also have just as much involvement in the Arab slave trade. Because again, these is not one brother used barbers. Another word they take, they stay away from is Turkish. They stay away from that word, but it's it, Moors, Turkish, Arab, they are all the same. Um, like we was talking about the nation of Islam, 
But why are we emulating, and our friend, why are we emulating Arabs? That, that's another point. Mm. Why are we dressing like Arabs? That ain't natural for us. Why are we dressing like Arabs? Mm. I don't know. Um, the first way people came out of America, they came the northern route. Iceland, well, Nova Scotia, Iceland, Greenland, they went to Europe that way. You okay. see the Vikings show, and the Vikings tried to tell you that the Vikings is the one. No, no, there was people already up there, especially my tribe coming out of uh, out of Boston area was whalers. So you're telling me from Nova Scotia or, or even, even from Boston to Nova Scotia, you know, island hopping, island hopping, island hopping. So this is how the Moors learned to come into America. And again, more is means Maureen. It is an action. You you park your ship and you moor. Mm. That is really what it means. You moor into shore. The first person that came into America was a Jewish faith dude, but Maureen, that's still attached to him. You know, it also goes back to the pirate movies. You know, the pirates was dressed, you know, did the show in moors. Yeah. Um, the one picture, like we was talking about 15 and them having all the juice. The one picture that really broke that, somebody painted a picture that showed Moors dressed as Europeans talking to the indigenous in America. You ever run across that picture? I may have. It's been so long. And they're dressed in the European, the high boots. But that picture yes. right there, okay. you can see that them ain't us. Yeah. That that is not us. That is not us. Um now if we look at again what Moors don't do, they have nothing to do with the ball games. That comes out of the omen. Uh, the omen, you can look at a lot of our culture comes out of the omen. The omen also were seafaring people that went into middle America, that went up and down the coast, that went to the northern route. Mm -hmm. Now, um, another, okay, and then Inquisition. Inquisition was against they ass too. Wasn't just against the Jewish faith people, it was, it was against, against them. It was everybody was kidding. Yeah. It was like, if you didn't denounce, now, one thing they did when, when during ceasefires against the war, and remember, they only controlled Grenada. This is all they controlled. Let me see if I can show this quickly. Right here in this picture, Grenada, this little bit on the bottom, that's all they controlled, that little bit. <laughs> Wasn't no great more nation. They controlled it, okay? That's real history. Um, another name is El Zagal. It was El Zagal, the younger and El Zagal. But uh, let me see where I put it. But it was battles with, with, with Isabella, where Isabella really put their foot to their ass and Jewish faith people. Yes, talk Jewish about that. people benefited because they went into the Catholic Church. They went into the Catholic Church. And that's when they integrated right there because of Inquisition. I mean, it's really, <laughs> and I, I get into the El Zagal. El Zagal is the one where his brother was King King Mali Abu Hassan. So you have El Zagal and you have Bababel El Zagal. So these were the two people and they end up splitting. And the younger El Zagal end up getting blinded. Now, as my time walking papers, again, as I use discernment, he, he tries to say that El Segal got paid the most money to sell a kingdom. And it's, it, it is in the Guinness Book of World Records, but through studying, there was no way Isabella and Fernando had that much money. 
They just didn't. She had to sell all her, her jewels to the Jewish faith people because they didn't have enough money to pay for this army they was doing. Because kind of they was fighting France a little bit too on their northern frontiers. Mm -hmm. So that's a name that you look at. Um, again, the Inquisition was, they, they put foot to ass in the Inquisition. I mean, you're talking about, you know, you watch the old 60 movies, put them on the rack. You know, where you on the rack and they stretching you. Yeah. I mean, this is all under Inquisition. And the Moors were part of that aim. The Jewish faith people too. The Jewish faith people too. No one attacked Jewish faith people like Isabella. No one. Not since. No one has attacked them. Not since. Now, getting back to what your guys said about neighborhood helping. One thing Noble Drew Ali did say, and, and I think Nick, Nick touches on this a little bit too, as just listening to his rap. Is, is townships is something Noble Drew Ali talked about. How to be sovereign is getting this land, setting up a township, and then we do this whole county business. We govern ourselves through this process of townships. Yeah. This is something he did push that others took advantage of and we didn't really take advantage of. Right. Um, so, that was just a little bit of history I wanted to throw into it. So I, I looked at the young man and it's, it's interesting, like what, what, would, what would seem attractive? Now, if you're saying on the, now some people like, you know, our people like being part of things. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Yeah. We going back to the boule, we going back to the frats. Like uh, um, anybody that's played college football, you see some people could only be popular in college if they join the frat. If you looked at him before the frat compared to looking at him after, you see a quiet girl before she went to the sorrow sorority. You look at her afterwards, she's a freak. She knows everybody. I mean, we see that this becomes who they are. Yeah. And so as I was listening to the young man, I understand that it makes you part of something. Uh, so it's not necessarily wrong. I mean, I understand that. And the way the one young man came at it saying, we doing community stuff. When my brother, like, but we get burned again and again. We met this cat out of Chicago, really had things together. But again, he's sending out paperwork where you can be the governor of this state, lieutenant governor, you can be the sheriff. It's that same scheme and all over again. And this brother had, like when I did my, um, my talk show, I had about three, 400 people from all over the country tuned in, calling in, in this program where the guy was, the guy obviously again turned out to be a scammer. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I get frustrated as a time walker because a curse of it is they have to, you have to find noble mores. That's what, 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 what attracted me to a seer, my brother and I. Uh, PNF networking, that's what attracted him, him, me to him. Mm -hmm. But when I see all this dogma and, you know, PNF is off deep into this Tataria stuff and, you know, mud flood. And just to touch on that a little bit, that is Aryan. The Aryans invented that. We ain't stupid enough people to say that it's a, a mega mansion buried in Manhattan and only a European could dig it up. Oh, is that this what is the what rhetoric they're is? Telling you. Oh, they're wow. telling you these mansions was all in Manhattan and only they could dig it up. So it is trying to, Atlantis is another story. It is trying to make an ancient people 
uh, unancient people, excuse me, is trying to make people that's not ancient, ancient. ancient. Okay. That's what it turns out to be. Gotcha, gotcha. So. Jeez. Oh, I guess my... I the only thing I would have I would have said to to the to the young brothers is I, I my thing would have been like you haven't lived long enough, you know because once you hit forty forty five you you just start to you go through you experience some some heartaches and pains and you just some hardships and then you see who's there and not there for you that shit will you know even look at your movement like oh, it's just like um. What are the, the 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 American Gang series, right? Or all all the old gang members that they did 15, 20 years in the pen, they come out with well, the gang wasn't there for me now. I got a family now. I can't. I see things different now. You know that's. You know, if you're not in it for the grift, and you're in it for the love, I, I, I think the love thing will get you caught up, get you bit in the ass because. You know, it, it, people take advantage of that and you put so much time and energy into it and then it doesn't work out. That shit leaves you jaded and heartbroken. It's like at 24, 25, if you rob a bank and even if you get caught, if you hide the money seven years, you can go, if they don't catch the money but know it's you, if you put the money up for seven years, the money clear. <laughs> now... <laughs> For a young man, that sounds okay. Yeah. You know, young dude, go do a five-year bid. You know, federal. It'll be federal because yeah. you robbed a bank. Yeah. For an older person, though, you know, five years. I had a friend do 40 to 50. <sighs> he wouldn't tell on him. He wouldn't tell on somebody. And he did. They gave him max. They gave him t- he didn't not, Non-violent. He just got caught with some cane. They gave him 10 years. He didn't even have ounces. Mm-hmm. He had less than an ounce. And they gave him 10 years because he wouldn't turn on somebody. 10 years. Damn. Let me um get to these super chats real quick, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, Let's see here. Okay. So necessary. She gives you, she gives you flowers. She said, uh, Big Pontiac and his channel have helped me tremendously on my spiritual journey. I take notes. I am forever grateful. Your flowers. Hey, um, she said something when I heard your story. Um, And she watched, and and let me say this about you. Um, Being brave. You know, it's like that ain't taught anymore to be brave. Where you just got to go in a motherfucker's face. And and as you were saying with the the Northern Eastern Star, it's like you had to step in and she right there next to you, you know? Yeah, but you had to step in because you brave, and bravery ain't taught anymore. To be brave ain't taught anymore. Well, now I, I wanted to get your point on on the did she jam me up because I never felt she jammed me up. I, I kind of make a, I make I joke about it, but I don't think it's one of those, I don't think it was ever one of those situations where she was out of pocket where I I should have I would have said like hey, you had to say nothing. I never ever like after the whole shit went down, I never accused her or got mad at her for anything. I. I she did what she felt she had to do and I had to back her plate. I backed her plate. Like I didn't feel bad. We didn't fight. I didn't curse. Yeah, I was like, you know, you okay? She's like, you okay? We're okay. And um, I never felt once that she put me to jam. So maybe people were like, man, I think she put you in the jam, bro. Cause why would she do that? And I'm just like, wait, no, no. And then when you, when you said the bravery part, um, yeah, that gets lost in translation. I believe, especially with these younger folk. Cause 
you know, this woman, she's a little bit older than me. So she's seen some things and, um, you know, she would, doesn't have that vibe to just put people in jeopardy, especially me in harm's way in an unfamiliar place or city, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like that the bravery part. I did. I didn't even think about it like that, you know, but she, I just, I just knew when I was like, oh shit, let me, let me go get her. <laughs> I just knew it was time to get her. Man, I, I have like, I have stepped to like, I, I stepped in the middle of like a gang fight and I got some bogus information. They was like, it's him. So I stepped to him and it's like 30, 40 of them. And I think I was like talking and I was like, what is you, you know, they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, oh. I got the wrong thing. And it was almost like I had to do the Denzel and pull them both out. Like, you know, I had to pull them both up. What was the 23s out? Like, okay, I'm walking up out of here. I'm not going to hurt none of y'all, but I was wrong. Yeah. And I was wrong. So I told them, like, I'm wrong, but I ain't, I ain't nothing going to happen to me. And I don't want to hurt y'all, but I'm getting up out of here. That's <laughs> a hell of an apology. <laughs> you know, but I was wrong, but it was like, uh, it was either do that or it was a be stomped. It was really like yeah. that point. That's Dude, it's funny. Dude's taking their shirt off, Sly. Dude start taking their shirt off while I'm pulling guns out. They're taking their shirts off to fight me, and I am pulling guns out. So when they got their shirts off and they looked up, I'm pointing them 23 at all of them. I'm like, I'm walking up out of here. I made a mistake. Oh, and they chased the car. I got in my car. Truck. They still chased it. Now, knowing I got guns, they still chasing the truck. I'm like, do I got to stop and shoot one of these fools? <laughs> But they stayed away from me. I was like, yeah, okay. Okay, let's see who's going to get one of these big holes put in them. <laughs> I got in the truck. Then they started chasing the truck. It was kind of funny, you know, watching them chase the truck. But, you know, I was wrong. I was wrong. But, again, I ain't blink, you know. Yeah. I ain't blink. That didn't scare me. You know, I'm not really, there's nothing I'm really scared of. That is hilarious. I face danger, actually, you know. I'm not a fool, but I face danger. Right. I've been taught that, not to run from it. Um, Nick has a, gives a super chat. He says, uh, let eight win kick some school, uh, kick some school in the crowd. The connection of the word Aryan Germans and Persians. I can barely see that. Oh <laughs> yeah. So if you want to, if you, if you want to get into the, uh, <laughs> the connection of the word Aryan, the Germans and the Persians. Oh yeah, the word Aryan is in the Verdes, yeah. Yeah, but that's not how it's applied. It's, it's the way they apply it, they apply it to Europeans. First, that's what Hitler went on. It ain't got nothing to do with Hitler, but that's what Hitler tied himself to. So just like them Nazis that's in Ukraine, you know, this is still that Aryan kind of, they, they take the names of these. That's why I call myself Big Pontiac. You think Pontiac is a card when it was a real person that fought them. Yeah. And so what they do is they take these names and they go under the guys because they want the energy, just like they wanted the energy of the swastika. So I agree, I agree that that Aryan is in the Virgia, in the Virgis, Virgus. I agree, but the way it's applied, we know they steal these energies and they they apply it to them. So, and that's why I say, like, if you get into mud flood or that Max Egan dude, mm -hmm. when he was on there, that showed you what it was. Mm -hmm. He was talking about the Aryan great race. He was talking about them Australians that don't really care for, you know, others. And then he got, he, you know who he brought on? He did the, he brought on Dan, or he didn't bring him on, but he brought up Dane. Cause I was hitting him like this, you know, this is that Nazi stuff. 
And he's like, he brought on Dane. Like, there's a guy named Dane Calloway. And Dane says that there weren't no slaves over there. That was his answer to me saying they Aryans. And then that stuff tied with Nazis. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> that, that you gave me a lot to ponder. You gave me a lot to ponder. Okay. Let me, let me ask you, as far as um, the European history and how that relates to us, um, okay, the mel melanated, melanated people in Europe versus melanated people in America, greater, who, has, who has a greater impact? What's, a, what's, a, what's the greater impact at the end of the day? So you're saying like uh, people in Europe compared to people here? Yeah. So let's say black folks in Europe versus black folks in America. If we put them side by side, timeline wise, who, who, who wins? Well, the people in Europe are mostly related to Africans. No okay. doubt. Okay. You know, uh, uh, yeah, big, big African slave trade went to, went to England. Um, but as you touched on, you know, they enslaved a lot of Scottish people too. Yeah. You know, of course, uh, Irish as well. And compared to here is what they did is we, you know, like I, 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 I talk about a, the Westo tribe. The Westo tribe is a, a Eastern tribe that was one of the first to start slaving with the British. Mm -hmm. And this is like in the 1600s. And you still see this tribe slaving all the way to Arizona in the 1820s. So this is 200 years of a indigenous tribe slaving their own people and so that's what happened is we had all this divide and conquer and our own people you know you you beat an army you route them you take the people you sell them and so that's the difference between the two is most almost 80 to 90 percent of the melanated people in america again if you want to be called black my, my birth certificate says colored they're related to indigenous tribes here and I, my family, I can trace back to the 1600s. I mean, we got the paperwork. Okay. And and you, you I, and um, Dark Man X, you know, a few summers ago, you know how, you know, being taxed at one time was encouraged by the government. That's right. And it was almost a status symbol yeah. that you were taxed because, again, indigenous people really wasn't taxed. They weren't the king or queen's the subjects. And so we had a lot of people turn over because, you know, they wanted to be taxed for that status and be accepted and, you know, integration, mm -hmm. you know, integration is what really happened is, is forced integration. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, given everything you've seen in, in, in your timeline, was this just bound to happen? Our current state, our current condition, given everything you've, you've read and learned in history across this globe, was this the in, inevitable result of us right now, our, our current state as a people? Was it just bound to happen? I think, yeah, we were so weakened and destroyed. Like people don't understand how much we were destroyed by integration. People don't understand how soldiers that fought in World War I were attacked because they were used to killing Europeans.
think you're muted. Yeah, it's still muted. Don't worry, y'all. We're going to get it figured out. We're going to get it figured out. <laughs> the powers that be don't want us to have this conversation. You know, while he's getting that figured out, I'm a uh, carry uh, super chatted us. Um, uh, I agree, big big brother. When once you conquer bravery, you can conquer everything else. Thank you, Carrie. And uh, let me get to these super chats real quick. Uh, full circle. Thank you for the five hundred cash, yeah, bro. And uh, Lorenzo, five hundred cash, yeah, my man says my two favorite content creators link up. Yeah. There we go. Okay, I'm sorry. I had a phone call. Oh no, it's all good. It's all good. Um, the, the 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 soldiers being attacked for the European, they were in war. C can you touch on that just a, a tad bit before you break down that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you got to. There was three hundred thousand of our melanated people, black folks, whatever you want to call them, that went over and fought under France's leadership. They wasn't under military. They wasn't under uh, American leadership. That's why if you look at pictures of them, they wearing the French style helmets because they was under French leadership. So they fought with the French and they were used to killing Germans. They were used to killing, you know, all the enemies of the French, so mostly Germans. So what happened when they came back, they called uh, 1919 the, the bloody summer. Mm -hmm. And so you had 90 soldiers literally killed at the train stations wearing their uniforms. They singled out and went after the soldiers all over the country. Because again, 300,000, uh, Du Bois talks about the change of the attitude. These dudes wasn't like, they were like, hey, we used to taking y'all out. We ain't scared of y'all no more. Okay. So they went after them. They, that is why the riots of 1919 in Chicago, New York, but 90 people were killed in their uniform slide. So-called so defending America. Now, they did the same to a lot of European soldiers, too. I mean, MacArthur, you know, they, they set up camp in D.C. because they was old pension money. Mm -hmm. And so they set up camps outside of D.C. MacArthur put troops on his own men that he served with over in World War I. He put troops on them people. So they were scared of those people. They were scared of these trained people that would kill Europeans. Mm -hmm. And so they did everything they could to try to put fear because the way they do fear is if they kill enough, everybody else would be scared. Right. And that's what you see after World War One, And that shows you how much the country does hate us right there. Damn. That's easy to find. Yeah, I, I heard. Of, I never really. Now you give me reason to actually. There's a book that I've been meaning to read about it. So um, I didn't know it was that bad. So that's my ignorance. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah, it, it was, I mean, it, it breaks your heart to find this information. 
here you go, you know, to these other countries and risk your life. And then you come here and got to risk your life too. Mm-hmm. And then to wear a uniform with the American flag on it. And you got these Southerners. Mm-hmm. And, and this is one point before I leave, I got to get up. You know, yeah. I, uh, Nick, Nick commented on this, but the most stupid people are the most dangerous people in the world by far. Oh, yeah. It ain't people asleep, it's stupid people. Stupid people is the people we should fear. Because stupid people will never be present. They'll always have a cloud there. You know, that's what you were saying, you alluded to earlier. People not being awoke. You know, now awoke means liberal. You know, they've stolen that word. Awoke means liberal now. It doesn't mean that you become present and present every day. And and what we find in stupid people is they're not present. (sighs) Big, big dog, big home. My my spiritual big homie. We we need to do a part two to this because you really just touched on some things. And now I'm like, okay, I want to hear more about this. And I got some more studying to do myself so I can be a little bit more uh, up to speed on, on some of these things. So, um, um, shout yourself out. Where can people find you? Last words for the people. Um, I'm under big Pontiac. You know, I, that's the only thing I really do. You can look me up on Facebook too, under Brian, Toby Macon. I don't care if people know who I am. You know, I am a, a one man. One man, uh, what what is the word? James Bond like machine, Kingsman, all that added up. <laughs> but you know, we we have fun, we laugh, we joke. It is not serious. Like I love when you laugh because that's what they need to see us. They need to see us laughing without cooning, laughing in our natural states and being silly. Because that is, we're not just one thing. We're a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And so I've always appreciated your support and your help and your intellect. And you turn me on to people that is great. You know, it's like Nick and Truth Teller and just the line goes on of people. Because it's like, because of our age difference, I don't watch a lot of that shit. You know, right. like like the words you say down the street, I don't watch that shit. Because, hey, what, what, what? Like one dude was like a 60-year-old bachelor. I'm like, okay. But I live... 35 years of my life with women and children so i don't see anything wrong with me being single (laughs) you know yeah yeah now i'm to settle for like i've had hags i I attract the people that need heal and i don't i'm not healing nobody else (laughs) you know it's like people that need healing come a lot and i'm like yeah i don't need that but uh Thank you. My son playing this video game, so I'm I'm, I'm glitching a little bit. But thank Ooh. you, brother. And uh, we'll talk. I'll, I'll hit you up. Definitely so, for sure. Uh, everybody say less. Thank you, bro. Have a good night. You too. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. Oh, yo. Patient. My bad. Hey, Alex, I ain't gonna forget y'all super chats. I'm not gonna forget. I, I ain't gonna forget. Uh, great stream. Thank you. Thank you, Haitian fab. Um. So yeah. Um. That's that's the big homie. I call him Time Lord. Y'all, he changed his name like he changed underwear. So, uh, big Pontiac. But uh, yeah, yeah. Thank everybody for coming out, hanging out. Those that you know sat and watched and donated, whatever the case may be. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, I think me, Nick, and Truth are a go for tomorrow night. And uh, yeah, definitely go uh, subscribe to uh, the Big Pontiac's channel. Um, shout out to everybody that's in the chat. I see everybody. I'm trying to get to everybody. Adrian, where you at? I see you, bro. I appreciate it. Thank you for the cash, yeah, bro. Brown paper bag.
So, um, is everybody cool in the chat? Geechee Dan, necessary, y'all cool? Uh, okay, everybody be cool. Everybody be cool. So do I do I have any rants I want to go off on? Let me think. I'm think. Do I have a do I have a rant? Do I have a rant? Do I have something I want to rant about? Let me think. Mm-hmm. Okay, quick rant. Quick, quick, quick rant. All right, quick rant, and I'm gonna let y'all get up out of here. Okay, I promise. Red Pill Neon Matrice uh, King ING says, uh, I appreciate your stream. I got much info library at my, at my home. That's what's up. That's what's up. Nick says, if I had a son, he'd be, t- he turned out to be a Renaissance man in 20 years. And I'm t- listen, I, I, I talked to, I, give me a son shit. Now I'm like, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so <laughs> um, real quick rant. I just got done watching uh, the third or fourth episode of Atlanta. Okay, Atlanta's back now. Season three on Hulu. And oh my goodness, this episode is called The Big Payback. Nick's going to love this. The episode is about black people were suing white people and corporations for slavery hear me out it's a deep episode okay i think it's episode three or four of atlanta okay comes out every friday i just literally watched this right before i got with the uh, time lord so in this episode one of elon musk's elon musk's uh one of his partners or one of his uh company uh heads got sued by a black person for their, their his family being owned for slavery right got got paid untold millions so there's this law now that anybody can pull up your background and if they see that any of your family members owned slaves and that that slave descendant knows about it or tracks you down they can sue you for reparations is so funny because it tells the story of this white man average white guy right he's a he's going through a divorce with his wife has a has a daughter okay and at his job it's just like the movie with with uh john travolta and um who's the old head calypso old head harry belafonte when the roles are reversed black and white it's just like that right so he works at this company and he goes to and from work to pick up his daughter. He sees a young black dude driving a Lamborghini at a gas station, right? And so at their job, they're talking about the Elon Musk partner being sued for untold millions because his family owns somebody's as slaves, right? It's crazy. And they're like, you think that'll happen here? Are you worried? Anybody can pull up your background, right? All the white folk are worried about somebody finding out if you own slaves. Now, if you own, if you're a white person in this reality and you own slaves, you are a pariah. You are shunned by the rest of white society because it's like, ooh, mm, you own slaves. Not good. right? And you could be sued for untold millions. So as this story progresses, he's getting calls 
from an unknown phone number. He's being he's being uh, followed by somebody in the old ass Ford Taurus. Okay, he's trying to make things. Uh, he's trying to get back with his with his estranged wife and his daughter. Okay, so come to find out, he gets served paperwork, and he's like, "Well, what is this for?" And then here comes this black woman, and she's like, "Yeah." You, your, your great, great granddaddy owned my great, great grandmama. You owe me money. He's like, ma'am, I don't know. What's your name? My name's Shaniqua. Oh my God. Shaniqua's a big, big, dark skinned black woman. Big ass wig with a bullhorn. And she, she, so she goes in this house with her, with her camera phone. She's like, yeah, look at everybody. He got all this. Yeah, look at, look, he living good. Yeah, you owe me. You owe me. So, and she went through his background come to find out he owned her family members she wants her money and then she keeps harassing him she's harassing him over over weeks right he's like he's like i don't have anything i didn't do anything just leave me alone just leave me alone so at the job word kind of gets out that he's been sued for owning slaves right and in this reality once again black folk are like coming out of that funk now they're starting to regain upper class status. Okay. It's just like in the last Mortal Kombat move, uh, uh, game when the ending for Jax. Okay. So I'm deviating, but it all ties in. So remember in the last Mortal Kombat game, Jax's ending is what? When you beat the, the chimera or the, the, the time, the time female, right? You get a wish. And his wish was that slavery never happened. And then remember all the backlash you got from all my game heads. I remember this is not even a year ago. So Jax's wish was that slavery never happened. And then it shows these montage of pictures of just affluent black folk. Everybody's rich. Everybody's got money. And because of that ending, a lot of people were upset at Midway for having that ending for Jax included into the Mortal Kombat wish. You understand? For those that follow the games, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah, it was all, it was, it was nothing but affluent. Everybody was rich. Everybody prospered because there was no slavery. Okay. Getting back to this. So the black guys at their job are like, they know that they're, they know that it's their time. They're on top. They now, they, they kind of look at white folk as like bottom tier. Now, you know how it is in some of these workplaces, right? So the white dude, he asked one of the black guys, he says, Hey man, look, man. This, this, this lady she's harassing me man what do, what do i do and he tells and the black dude tells him say look man just tell her you sorry just own up to it man just tell her you're sorry maybe she'll leave you alone so then he goes ask his white co-workers now white guys you gotta fight that shit man you gotta fight it give it to her like she's giving it to you and so then the white woman's like well i just found out that i'm 67 i'm 67 ashkenazi jew he's like you're a jew she's like yeah i'm a jew Right. She's cause she's good to go. So he's like, well, I'm, we're half Hungarian. We were like, we were slaves in the Byzantine war. And she's like, that was a, like a million years ago. That was a million years ago. Right. And then during the car ride with his daughter, taking her to school, she was worried. She's like, dad, are you a racist? She's like, no, honey, I'm not a racist. What do you mean? Cause somebody at school said you're a racist. It's like, honey, no, 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 not no, you know, black people, no, I'm not a, we're not a racist, I'm not a racist. You know, we're half Hungarian. You know, we were, we were slaves too in the Byzantine War. 
Okay, let's keep going and keep going. So you see all every once in a while you see all these these young black dudes with with Lamborghinis, these big ass houses, right? So fast forward, he served, he has to pay a restitution tax. But before he gets to that part, he his his before when it comes out that he owns that he owes and he's owned a slaves, right? His family, he goes to his wife, his wife's like, we need to finalize the divorce. Um, I, I can't, I can't raise my daughter around a racist. He's like, racist? He, he's like, you're half, she's like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm half Peruvian. He said, yesterday you were white. Oh. <laughs> she's like, I'm half Peruvian. He's like, yesterday you were just white. <laughs> so she kicked, she slammed, slammed the door in his face. He has to go to a hotel, he goes to a hotel, he goes to a hotel. Because some black dude tried to jump him and beat him up at his apartment complex because the word is out that he is a racist and he owns slaves and he, now he has to pay restitution. He goes to his hotel. This hotel is like a hotel for where white people go when they have no place to go because now they, they're deemed racist and they own slaves, okay? So all the black staff are real uppity like, huh, you, another one? Ha ha ha. Jokes on you guys. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like everybody's about to get paid off this reparations thing, this restitution shit, okay? So he meets a white dude. White dude kind of can tell why he's there because he's there for the same reason. And then he said, and he asked, he said, yo, yes, just yesterday my life was good. I didn't do anything. I, I you know, my wife, my, my, my house, I, I just lost everything. And the white dude tells him, he says, you know, hey, it was a really deep. It was a really deep conversation that he, a, a little, a little soliloquy that he gave to him. It was really, really deep. And he said to him, he said, you know, um, this, what's her name? He says, her name's Shaniqua. He says, well, you know, Shaniqua, um, you know, can, can you imagine what it's like to, like for your daughter with, this is a good thing that's happening because now your daughter, you know, uh, will have the curse lifted off of her. You know, can you imagine having to start from nothing, uh, with no help, he says, my grandfather, right? My great-grandfather pulled himself up from the bootstraps, right? Have all these multiple houses, all this land. And he says, come to find out, he didn't do it by himself. He had help and lots of help and lots of children. So he's telling his story. And he says, can you imagine Shaniqua having to, having to you know, uh, do it for herself in that environment? And you, and we think of, of, of slavery as a historical inconvenience, right? Can you imagine for them, it's like a ghost that always haunts them and never lets them forget. Can you imagine that? He says, I'm at peace. He said, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Right. And dude sitting there like, damn, that was pretty deep. So the white guy that just told him this very eloquent speech walks outside, smoke a cigarette and, and blows his brains out and falls into the pool. He's like, Oh my God, what just happened? And the black waiter's like, oh, there's more of that to come. So, <laughs> so the white men have been offing themselves at the very thought and mention, mention having to pay back restitution to people that they've never met ever because something their great, great grandparents did or slaves that they own that they don't, you know what I'm saying? So fast forward, the white guy works as a waiter in a restaurant. And he has to pay 15% restitution tax to Shaniqua. And as he goes to serve in this fancy restaurant, this, the, the, the camera pans back, right? As the camera pans back, it's playing Minnie Ripperton's, um, 
Uh, I forget the name of that song that was used at the very end of Us. I did a breakdown of that song. I forget the name of the song. It's a beautiful song, beautiful song. It was used in the, the Hands Across America commercial years ago in the, in the 80s. Okay, the camera pulls back and you see all of these white people as waiters and servers serving all these affluent black people at the dinner tables. It's called the big payback. That's my little rant. That's my little rant. <laughs> I thought about Nick when, when the character's name was like Shaniqua. I was like, ah, oh, fucking Nick. <laughs> I was like, Nick, where, Nick, where you at, Nick? <laughs> ah, shit. Okay. I'm gonna get out of here. Thank y'all for hanging out. Y'all, peace and blessings, love and light. Y'all have a good night, peace. Wait, 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 wait. Let me do this real quick. Let me get to these comments and then I'll peace out. Okay, yeah, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't play the Mortal Kombat game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a big fucking deal. Listen, a lot of white gamers were upset at Jax's ending. You know what I'm saying? A lot of white gamers were upset at Jax. It's still on, you can still find it on YouTube. Um, they were, they were, it was a, it was a big deal. I didn't know you guys didn't know about that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let me comments, 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 comments. White man's burden. That's the name of the movie. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, white man's burden. Okay, okay. All right, I'm good. All right. Y'all have a good one. Peace. <laughs>